You're listening to the Everett Foursquare Lowell Podcast. Please follow us on Facebook and enjoy the message. All right. Well, we're going to get into our message. If you, like I said, if you've got your Bibles, you can join me, Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we're in a series called There is Always Hope, and we've been exploring the Lord's Prayer. And uh, this has been renewing hope in my own life. It's been convicting in my own life. It's brought joy and peace in my own life. Even as I've sat with what is for me a very familiar uh, passage. I've I've read this uh, uh, many, many times. I've heard it many, many times. Um, But it has been life-giving to me as, as, uh, as I've sat with this prayer. And really, I think the power of the prayer isn't just what we talk about here Sunday morning. It's when we allow God's word to take root in our lives Sunday afternoon and Monday morning and Tuesday morning and when the rubber meets the road of your life, push comes to shove when we allow the Lord's prayer to shape us in that way. Let me ask you a question as we get into this. How many of you grew up with siblings? Or how many of you uh, have children who have siblings now? So many of us, almost all of us were able to raise our hand for that one. Um, I grew up in a home, I have four sisters, five kids born in seven years. I got a picture of them, uh, us, I should say, not them. Uh, Joel, yeah, there you go. There's a picture of all five of us. Uh, Don't those sisters of mine look sweet? So kind. Don't let those smiles deceive you, though. Um, especially this one, Sarah. Oh, man, that is the sweetest smile. Do not, do not let those sisters deceive you. They were not always sweet growing up, four girls and one boy. Um, it wasn't uncommon when we were on road trips. Uh, we were in the back of the vehicle. Uh, we had a big old van, you could imagine. Or when mom was away working, my sisters would just poke at me, sometimes physically, sometimes figuratively. They would just poke. Poke, 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 poke. After a while, I would poke back. (laughs) And eventually, mom would be called, and he hit me. She started it. We go back and forth, back and forth. And guess what? It was always their fault. I don't remember a single time when it was (laughs) my fault. Uh, I was hanging out with two of my sisters. Actually, yesterday, we had a big family uh, birthday party. Uh, And I imagine if you interviewed those two sisters, they might have a different recollection of those events, but I'll tell you they were wrong um, because I was there, and I've got the memory for it. Uh, uh, But this arguing, this squabbling didn't just stop when we grew into teenagers and we started to have our own space and our own identity. In in fact, sometimes it was worse than we were just little kiddos. Uh, And my mom, raising five kids largely by herself and, and... uh, she, she's not a, a, a very big, powerful, physically uh, intimidating person, so she would have these creative disciplines for when we got out of control. And, and one of the things that she did often was we had to write down scriptures. So when we got in trouble, she would have us copy down uh, some, some scriptures, you know, 20 times if we wanted to be able to, to go out with our friends or to watch TV or whatever, we'd have to write these down. One, uh, one such scripture that, that we had to do when we, we got squabbling was Ephesians 4.32. Put that on the screen, if you would, Joel. Uh, Ephesians 4.32, it says this. Be kind to one another. Is it there? Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. 
forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. That's my older sister. Looking tender-hearted, right? She looks that way. Be kind to one another, Paul says. And let me ask you something. If you're familiar with the Lord's Prayer, if you've heard this, does, does this passage from Ephesians, Paul is writing to a church of young believers. They're just figuring it out. People from all walks of life. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Do, do you hear an echo of the Lord's Prayer in this passage? In uh, the Gospels, Matthew and Luke, where we've been camping out and looking at this prayer, uh, in Luke's Gospel, the disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray like you do. And, and we'll put these up. Let's, let's read through what we've been through so far together. Matthew's Gospel says uh, about the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, he says, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And here it is. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Does that sound like what Paul was telling the church in Ephesus? It does. It runs throughout the good news of Jesus Christ, this idea of forgiveness. It runs throughout God's word, in fact. It is a big motif throughout the tapestry of Scripture. Last week, we started looking at the second half of the Lord's Prayer. We spent some time in the first part, the part that was all about thy, about God. God, your name be hallowed. Your name be made holy. God, your will be done. Your kingdom come. And last week, we started about the prayers, the kind of the second tier, talking about, asking about us. Give us today our daily bread, we talked about. And here's what I hope, just a quick recap. Here's what I hope you heard First of all, that God cares about your immediate, tangible needs. Absolutely. Give us today our daily bread. If you're in a situation where your physical resources are maxed out, you can trust God with your daily bread. Absolutely. Lord, I have run out of finances, but I've got a lot of month left to go before payday. Lord, give us today our daily bread. We can trust the Lord with our physical needs. Lord, provide for my family. Absolutely. But I believe this is really just the tip of the spear when it comes to bringing the Lord's Prayer into shaping our lives is our physical needs, the, the, the requirements I need just to make it through today. I, I really do believe that each one of the prayers, each one of these lines that we're exploring in the Lord's Prayer uh, are, are unique and specific and there's power in them, but I believe they're also shaping us as a whole. Give us today our daily bread. One of the things we talked about last week was this is an invitation not just to trust the Lord with my physical needs, but also to an invitation to trust us, trust the Lord to satisfy our hunger and our thirst for righteousness. Right? If you turn the page from Matthew chapter 6, where we're at right now, back to Matthew chapter 5, Jesus had said that at the beginning of this Sermon on the Mount, he, he had a thousands of people sitting uh, and listening to him at the north end of the Sea of Galilee, and he said, blessed are those, and he has a whole list, we call them the Beatitudes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Just as trusting the Lord with our daily bread, we will be satisfied, I believe. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. We looked at Psalm 23 just briefly. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his, his name's sake. Lord, tr we, we trust you to lead us in those paths. Lead us to, 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 to bring satisfaction to a hunger and thirst for righteousness every day. 
We read that at the end, that God's provisions are abundant, overflowing when we trust the Lord with our daily bread physically, but also with this as a spiritual implication, this hunger and thirst for righteousness. The Lord's blessings overflow in us. And this is a daily step for us as followers of Jesus. Lord, we trust you with our daily bread. We trust you with a hunger and thirst for righteousness. And that leads us into this as we trust the Lord with cultivating a hunger for righteousness. It, it leads us to this next line of the prayer. Forgive us our debts, Matthew writes. And maybe you're here, if you grew up in the church, maybe you're here like, forgive us our debts. I, I thought it was forgive us our trespasses. Or you're saying debts and trespasses. I've never used those words in my life. I've just read forgive us our sins when it comes to the Lord's Prayer. If you grew up in a, a, a church tradition like the Presbyterians or the Reformed Church, they often use uh, the word debts in, in the Lord's Prayer. That's, that's, a, that's common. And, and hey, guess what? You're all right. Whatever word you're using, they, they are all correct. Uh, the Catholics, the Episcopalians, Methodists, like the, the holiness traditions generally use trespasses. Last part of the 20th century, especially with the advent of the NIV Bible, the, the New International Version, it, it just says sins. And, and uh, that's probably what m many people, uh, American Christians, use the word sin. And that's all right. Really, any one of those words, all we're saying is, Lord, would you be in the process of forgiving me as I'm in the process of forgiving her? Lord, would you be at work in my own life even as you're in the process of helping me to forgive him? And that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? until somebody hurts you. And then it's not so much, right? So, so as I prepared this week, I realized this is a large conversation. We're actually going to take this line, forgive us our debts as we forgive also our debtors. We're going to break this into two weeks. Today we're going to talk about forgiving our debts. What does that mean? Next week, uh, we're going to talk more about what it means then to forgive others. How do we live into what God has blessed us with, with, with regards to forgiveness? So, so we're going to have two conversations today. We're going to just talk through what is sin, what is forgiveness, see what that looks like when Jesus teaches us to pray, forgive us our debts or trespasses or sins. You could use whatever, whatever, whatever synonym that, that you want. What is sin? Uh, this is a big question, Right? It's a word that we use very, very often. Uh, and I wanted to bring up those words, debts or transgressions or sins, um, because it seems to me when we use these words, at least for myself, uh, I can very unintentionally use those words to reduce the significance of, of what the biblical authors were communicating. Like, it, it, anybody else do this? Like, I can reduce sin down to very specific behavior, Right? Oh, man, Lord, would you forgive me for that little white lie I told about the fishing trip that I went on? <laughs> it, it wasn't that big of a fish. Will you forgive me? Lord, w w w would you forgive me for, for misusing my finances? Lord, Lord, would you forgive me for looking at that magazine cover in the grocery store checkout line just for a couple more mo moments? For I can reduce sin down to very specific actions. But I think that, that, that this invitation as Jesus teaches us to pray actually opens up opportunities for us to say, here is my whole life, Lord, and would you be at work 
bringing your forgiveness to every facet of who I am. In Matthew and Luke, we were talking about these different words, death, transgression, sins, different things. Uh, in, in Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel, actually, they use two different words, two different Greek words. Uh, Matthew's gospel here, in, where we're at, chapter 6, uh, uses this Greek word. I've got them here. On the, I'll put them up on the screen. Uh, the Greek word is ophilima. Ophilima, obviously, you can read that ophilima uh, in Greek. Um, and the word that Matthew's talking about is the result of having a debt, focusing kind of on this obligation that comes when there is a debt incurred, which makes sense because Matthew was a tax collector. He thought very transactional. You could see that kind of imprinted in his writing, his style, right? His brain thought about things in transactional manners. I did this, so you owe me that, right? Or you broke that, and now you have to owe me this amount. So, so the debts Matthew writes about when Jesus says, forgive us our debts. And we're going to come back to that in just a little bit. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because Luke uses another word that we would, we would translate more commonly into transgressions. This Greek word, hamartia. Hamartia really talks about sin or this forfeiture because we've missed the mark somewhere. It's a forfeiture. We've We've relinquished something. We have missed something. And this really, the Greek word talks about and emphasizes something that is self-originating. It is my cause. This is not the cause of God or other people. I have missed something, right? Just like in football, I have four chances to, to get the ball 10 yards down the field. And if not, I have forfeited the ball. That's that, that, so hamartia is the word that, that, that Luke uses in Luke's gospel. And, and both of these words, hamartia is probably a more common uh, word that we see when you read sin in Scripture in, in the New Testament. It's more commonly used, hamartia, uh, this word that, that Matthew uses is not as common. Both of them talk, though, about something where we have missed the mark. And both of them kind of are an attempt on our part, on the New Testament authors and the translators, to, to, to really represent the Hebrew word for missing the mark, kata. And the most basic meaning of kata, I, many of us in, in church circles understand that sin means missing the mark. Kata really doesn't have a religious uh, uh, connotation from its inception. Kata really just means to fail, to miss the mark. You can read this in, in, in early points in the Hebrew Bible. Judges chapter 20 talks about the tribe of Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin had, had a small army of 700 left-handed guys who used slingshots. And they were so proficient with their slingshots, it says, that they could not kata even a human hair. They could not miss a human hair. They couldn't kata. They could not miss the mark. Proverbs talks about missing the mark. There's, in Proverbs 19, it talks about the person who makes hasty decisions. And don't be the person who makes that hasty decision because it's likely that you are kata, your destination. You will miss where you're aiming for. You will miss what you're uh, attempting to go. Hamartia, kata, these different words, really it means we've missed something. And Jesus is saying, Lord, forgive us where we have missed the mark. And that's really, at its ground level, very, very, very fun, most fundamental, basic aspect. That's what sin really is when, we, when, when Jesus teaches us to pray, forgive us our debts, forgive us our trespasses, forgive us our sins, forgive us where we have missed. 
And I grew up in church. I'm familiar with this idea. I grew up going, I think I've, I've told this several times. I, go, I went to every VBS. I learned the Romans road every single summer. All the, the road to salvation starts with this idea that we have missed the mark. Romans 3.23. Anybody remember the old Romans road for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? I moved to Mexico when I was 19 years old. I was stoked because I learned the Romans Road in Spanish, and I would try and work it into casual conversations whenever I was out in Mexico. I was like, pues todo han pecado y están privado de la gloria de Dios, pues no, huh? I would bring that out all the time. We've all missed the mark, Paul says. We've all kata, we have all hermartio. We've missed something. But what does it mean to miss the mark? What does that look like? I don't want to reduce this to, 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 to fit the few places that I really want to allow the Lord to work in my life. I want to say, God, where, where else have I missed? And in the first pages of the Bible, we can read very clearly a, a, a kind of a, a, a full picture of what that looks like. In the first pages, we read that every human being, every human being is created in the image of God. Right? Every one of you bears a distinct representation. You have the imago Dei, the image of God. And every human being represents the creator, therefore, and is worthy of honor. So in, in its most basic way, boy, this is, this is a big umbrella, friends. The most basic form of missing the mark, the most basic form is simply a failure to love God or a failure to love others with the honor that they deserve as image bearers of the Creator. That catches a lot, doesn't it? And it, it, it's defined a little bit more clearly as we read throughout Scripture. It, God, God rescues the Israelites out of slavery in the Exodus account and brings the Israelites towards the Promised Land. And along the way, there's this famous code of conduct. We call them the Ten Commandments. And, and, and God speaks about what it looks like to miss the mark with regards to loving God and loving, and lo loving others. Uh, about half of the Ten Commandments talk about what it looks like, how you can fail at loving God, taking the Lord's name in vain, those kind of things. The other half talks about how we can fail at loving others, murdering, stealing, all the things in the second half of the Ten Commandments. And I would say that the fact that they're presented together demonstrates that Failing to honor God is deeply connected with failing to honor people. We miss the mark when that takes place. And we could do a deep dive on this concept of sin, on this, the concept of death that Jesus is talking about, uh, if, if we had more time. But, but you could see this, this understanding of missing the mark uh, just developing throughout the Hebrew Scriptures as God presents the law. There's 613 plus or minus laws that are given to demonstrate. These are all important ways that you can miss honoring God and honoring others. Instructions on how we can avoid missing the mark. Some are, are, are for things that are incidental, unintentional. Some are things that are, that are deliberate and intentional. We can look at, at, at the, the first point where Katal, where, where missing the mark, was written in Scripture with uh, Cain and Abel, the brothers the sons of Adam and Eve. And, and if you're familiar with Genesis chapter 4, uh, Abel presents a better offering. Cain gets angry. And God comes to him and says, why are you angry? What, why is your face fallen? 
And he's kind of trying to, to, to encourage Cain and say, what's going on here? Hey, if you don't change, if you don't do well, God says, kata is crouched at the door. Sin, sin, missing the mark, is crouched at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Or we can look at Saul, the first king of Israel. Saul, who tried to figure out how to please the Lord in his own way, and he looked at David as an upstart and hunted David, thinking he was doing well by God's standards, and eventually realized, no, I've missed something. 1 Samuel 26, Saul says, no, I have sinned. I, I have missed something here. So when we say, Father, forgive our sins, forgive us our debts, forgive us our, our, our transgressions, friends, I hope we're not trying to just pigeonhole just the few things that I'm willing to allow the Lord to work on in our lives. Let's just reduce this to the lowest common denominator, the things that I think people can see about me. And I'll, I'll let the Lord forgive those areas. It's really an, an invitation when we say the Lord's Prayer, Lord, forgive us our debts to open up the dark places and say, Lord, show me anywhere that I haven't honored you. Show me anywhere where I haven't honored your image bearers. That's why Jesus said, he, he, Jesus really took away any of the loopholes we could ever try and create. He says, you've heard it said, don't murder. He said, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. You've heard it said, don't be anxious. All of these things, these ways we're trying to just kind of cauterize what sin could be and say, no, it's just this right here. And I'm not doing this, so I'm just fine. Jesus said, ah, you've heard it said, but listen up. Lord, forgive us our debts. It's like if my children come home from school, one of my daughters, we've maybe just made this big batch of cookies. One of my daughters gets her plate of cookies, pours a big glass of milk, and she's telling us all about her day. Guess what I did in art? Guess what we're learning in, in, in math class? And then she's, she's telling us a story. She's getting really energetic, and she, she knocks over her cup of milk, and it pours all over her sister. Guess what? She's missed. Hasn't she? She didn't mean to. She has, she has, Armatia, she has missed something. She's made a mess. I mean, it could look the same, the, the same scenario, totally different hard attitude. She can come home from a terrible day of school, have the same plate of cookies, the same glass of milk, doesn't want to tell us any stories, and when we try and talk to her, she gets upset, intentionally knocks it over, spills the same cup on her sister. It still is the same mess. There's still the same missing of the mark. Jesus says, Father, forgive us of our debts. Forgive us our sins. Clean up, remove, take away from our lives those places where we miss the mark. So what is forgiveness? That's kind of a picture of sin that, that is far more than just these do's and don'ts that we try and live our lives by in order to look good or sound correct. God says, I want all of your life, and I want all of it to reflect the beauty of your creator. That's why Jesus teaches us to pray, forgive us our debts. What is forgiveness? I would say that the starting point of becoming a forgiving person, it's not trying to just forgive more. 
Becoming a forgiving person, it's honestly much more dark and difficult than that because to begin to be a forgiving person really is to begin to have a troubling awareness of my own mess, of the forgiveness that's been poured out in my life. What is forgiveness? Well, N.T. Wright says this, once you replace morality with the philosophy that says, if it feels good, do it, there isn't anything to forgive. I think we like to disregard the importance of forgiveness in life. But this is a primary aspect of the ministry of Jesus. Lord, forgive us. The Greek word both Luke and Matthew use talk about removing, sending away, releasing, discharging the obligation. And I was trying to think of a good picture. The best picture that I can look at it's from Scripture about what forgiveness looks like. I want to flip over to, to Luke chapter 15. There's a parable Jesus told about, uh, a, actually, this is built into our vernacular, the prodigal son, right? Whether you follow Jesus or not, we, we all use this word, the prodigal son. Jesus tells this picture, this, this story, and he says, there's a man who had two sons, and the younger one said to his father, Lord, give me the share of, of property that's coming to me. And I'll just kind of walk through this briefly. Uh, many of us have heard this, uh, th th this parable before. Really, you get an inheritance what? When your parent passes away and you say, give me my inheritance now. I don't really want to be around you. I wish you weren't alive so I can get it. So the father divided his property. Not many days later, the young son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. There he squandered his property in reckless living. If this was a story about me, I wish it would say. He, he made some valiant attempts at, at, at wise investments that didn't work out as he planned, but probably that's a more uh, a fair assessment if you were to write a parable. I mean, he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, severe famine arose in the country. He was hungry. He ended up working in the fields, feeding the pigs. What a disgrace for, for this son to be feeding. It says, when he came to himself, verse 17, he said, how my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I'm starving out here. Look what he says in verse 18. I will rise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you, that's the same Greek word, hamartil. I have missed the mark with you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And if you're familiar with the story, he gets up and he goes. And I love this picture of forgiveness. While he was still a long way off, the father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. As his father ran. Now, remember, first century, this is an honor and shame culture. By the time you are a man with grown sons, you don't run, you stroll, right? You walk with dignity. And so great is the love of this father that he throws off all sorts of uh, uh, these precepts of what's correct and he runs to his son, kissing him, putting a ring on his finger, the, the best robe, killing the fatted calf. Let's have a feast. You missed the mark. I get it. You missed in our relationship, in your behavior. Let me extend forgiveness.
forgiveness. Let me, let me restore to you. Let me res- remove this shame that you've experienced living with the pigs and starving and living in the rags that you're wearing. Let me remove that from you. Let me forgive you. And they celebrated. So if Katai, if Kermartio is missing the mark of forgiveness is being led back. If, if, if it's missing the mark, missing the way, forgiveness is bringing us back to the way that God intended us. It's taking the offense, whether intentional or otherwise, removing it. It's like taking, we've put blindfold on us so we get ourselves lost. Forgiveness removes the blindfold and brings us back to the path God desires for us. I think that's what, the, what David meant when he said he leads me in paths of righteousness. He, we're being returned to the path that God intended for us. So just a brief snapshot, an overview of what sin is, what, an overview of what forgiveness looks like. So Jesus teaches us to pray, forgive us our debts. And next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about this. Um, because the way we, we walk out forgiving others, I think, is... is is helpful to understand some of what this looks like because I don't want to just talk about forgiveness as like this is the fire insurance you need to receive forgiveness if you want to get to heaven. It's much more than that, right? It's not exclusively an attribute, but it's an important aspect of salvation that we receive forgiveness and we can extend it, therefore. But it's much more than that. It's this day by day. It's almost like the value of our breathing, our spiritual breathing is forgiveness. It's, it's not just a golden ticket. It's not, just, it's not just trying to say the right thing just so we can get something at the end of the day. Uh, forgiveness is actually living more fully into the kingdom of heaven that we already talked about. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. It has drawn near and forgiveness invites us to live into that. And we have a better understanding of what sin looks like, of missing the mark, looks like of, of, of having our debts forgiven when Jesus instructs us Pray that, Lord, forgive us our debts, our transgressions, our sins. Forgive, forgive me just as you're calling me to forgive those people. What's the big deal, though, about this? What's so special about God's forgiveness? Because we all can say we forgive people. It's important to remember that forgiveness actually starts with the Creator. This is a gift from the Creator. This is an attribute and characteristic of the creator of heaven and earth. I can say I forgive my kids. I can forgive the person who cut me off in the grocery store, the person driving like, an, like a dorko on the freeway. I can forgive them, but guess where that comes from? I'm not anthropomorphizing God by saying, boy, we both forgive. We're like the same person. No, it's not that. In fact, it's the exact opposite, that we're only able to forgive because God first forgave us. That's the big deal about forgiveness. It's something that we as image bearers are reflecting that God has demonstrated first for us. And our ability to forgive, it's an inbreaking of God's character and God's kingdom into our own realities. That's why it's so important to take time like we will next week to explore this more fully. Just because salvation comes from God alone, I believe forgiveness also comes from God alone. That's why Matthew opens up the Gospel of Matthew, this proclamation of the coming Messiah. What did the angel say to Joseph? Uh, He says, your wife, or this woman you've been betrothed to, Mary, will bear a son, and you should call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. Forgiveness only comes from our Creator. 
That's why John the baptizer said when he saw Jesus, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who what? Takes away the sin of the world. Forgiveness is built into the name and the function of Jesus. The ministry of Jesus is demonstrating the forgiveness that God has extended. And ours is the, 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 the beautiful aspect of learning to live into making this prayer our prayer that we're, we're, we're working into the rhythms of our life to become people of forgiveness, to receive it and to extend it. I was telling our serving team, uh, just tell you this briefly, normally on Sunday morning I'll wake up and my eyes will open up and I'll think about what we're, what we're going to be talking about. So I'll kind of think about it and I've got like Eye of the Tiger soundtrack going in my head. I'm starting to get hyped. I'm like, yes, you're talking about give it today. Yes, your kingdom come. Yes, Lord, yes. And this morning I woke up, same thing. Forgive us our debts. And I actually, instead of Eye of the Tiger, I just sat there quietly and I allowed that, whoa, whoa, oh, look in my life, Lord, forgive me. And I just kind of laid there quietly and made that my own prayer. Lord, forgive me. Where are those places? Forgive my debts. And let me just finish with this, uh, this last aspect of, of forgive us our sins. This is a beautiful picture. Uh, here's what it looks like when we make our daily prayer, forgive us our sins. That's kind of an ongoing prayer that Jesus teaches the disciples. There's one word that Jesus said that just wraps it all up. John 19, Jesus was nailed to a cross. He, he willingly went, not my will, but your will be done, Jesus said. And we could read in John 19, they gave him a sip of sour wine. And Jesus said, what? It is finished. The Greek word in John's gospel is this word tetelestai. And if I was any cooler, I would have that tattooed on my forearm. <laughs> I'm not that cool, so I don't. Tetelestai, it is finished. This is the last thing Jesus said. It's the last word that Jesus uttered. In my obedience to the Father, it is finished. The path set before me, Jesus said. I have obeyed what was put before me. It is finished. Not only that, but all of those things. Forgive us our debts. Jesus says, it is finished. Because you know this word, this Greek word, it's not just a cool name for a band. It's not just a cool thing that you can say. It's not just what Jesus said specifically in the spiritual and, and emotional point in his life. Tetelestai was a common word used in Greek for all sorts of business transactions. If you had an invoice or a bill or something due and you paid it, they would often write tetelestai on that. It is finished. It's an economic word. It is finished. The debt has been paid. It's finished. And that's a, 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 for all time. It is finished. Not it will be. Or ask me again tomorrow. It is finished. And so we come to the Lord's Prayer where we we're taught to pray, forgive us our debts. Jesus says, it is finished. Let me read this last passage and we'll finish up here. 2 Corinthians uh, 5, Paul writes this. For in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Not counting their trespasses against them. That's that same word for forgiveness. To remove the debt, to remove, to take away from and entrusting us 
with the message of reconciliation. Boy, I have a bunch of, uh, of things I wanted to share on this, but I know that, that we're, we're running out of time. But just real fast, you could see this. Look at the, the ministry of Jesus. Uh, the three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all share the account of Jesus teaching in a house. Maybe you've heard this story, and it's so packed. These guys bring their friend who's paralyzed on a mat. They can't get in, so they break a hole in, uh, in the roof, and they lower this man. What is the first thing that Jesus says to this man? It says, he saw their faith, and he says, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Forgiven, tetelestai. Oh, and also because I want you to know that I'm the Son of God. Let me just heal you. It is finished, verse. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus at another point, Mark chapter 10, you can read about this encounter. Jesus has uh, this encounter with a blind man. This guy is calling out, Jesus, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Well, I kind of was hoping you'd heal me. Maybe? Absolutely. It is finished. I want to see it's faith that Jesus says that allows us to live into the forgiveness that is so freely given to us. I want to live in forgiveness. I want to live that prayer in my life. Forgive me my debts today. And it's a new prayer for me, even from the prayer that I prayed four hours ago. Can we just take a moment and, and make that our own prayer? I'm gonna, here's what we're going to do. I, I just want to make a statement and in an at attitude of prayer, maybe you could just respond this way. Forgive us our sins. And this is not uh, a comprehensive, but maybe it'll stir something in you that you would say, yeah, that, that, there's a spot where I want the Lord to be at work. So I'm just going to read a few statements, and at the end of each one, would you respond, forgive us our sins? I have failed thousands of times to use my time to enrich the lives of others. Forgive us our sins. We complain a lot. I have wounded people with my sharp tongue. I've wounded people with my silence. We've done things that can't even be mentioned because there's young children in the room. <laughs> Last one, I have the capacity to be thinking about myself at all times. Forgive us our sins. Lord, you teach us to pray and say, forgive us our debts. And here, this is just a, a small little list, and I'm not trying to, to hit every nail on the head here, but rather to create a place where we could look uh, a little more objectively or we would invite also that your Holy Spirit maybe to take a peek in our lives and point out the places that I don't often want to admit are sin. The place where my behavior um, severs relationships. The place where, where my words or my actions hurt others or don't honor you. Lord, would your Holy Spirit be at work in each one of our lives? 
would you be the God who leads us in paths of righteousness and leads us through the path of forgiveness for victims? Thank you that you're faithful. Thank you that, that you do so when we, when we come to you in faith and say, here's my life, here's my mess. And Jesus, you simply whisper, it is finished. We love you. We thank you. And we pray all of this in your name, Jesus. And together we say amen. 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 It is finished. And so is my sermon. Let's stand up together.